0: Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 20, verses 17 through 24. Again, that's Acts, chapter 20, verses 17 through 24. From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they came to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you serving the lord with all humility with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the jews how i kept back nothing that was helpful but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from uh, and from house to house testifying to jews and also to greeks repentance from god and faith toward our lord jesus christ and see now i am bound in the spirit Uh, to Jerusalem, not knowing the things which will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy, and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify the gospel of the grace of God.
1: Good morning, I'd like to thank Stuart for that reading, that will be uh, uh, part one of a two-part lesson that uh, is Paul's farewell speech to Ephesus. It, uh, It certainly won't be his last speech, but it's going to be the last one that he gives to the church at Ephesus. And uh, uh, when I prepared this, it was like a few weeks ago, and I know we're coming up on it on the book of Acts, and I didn't think we'd be this far along, so by the time I do the next lesson, I don't know if we'll be real close to it, but any event, uh, it will be looking at this in more in, in depth of, uh, of a two-part uh, lesson. And uh, of course, uh, Paul's uh, speech with very emotional speech uh, of this separation, Uh, and really we like to read the last part of the closing words uh, of this speech, and uh, beginning in verse 36 of chapter 20 through verse 28. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all, and they began to weep aloud and embraced Paul and repeatedly kissed him, grievingly, Thank you, Bill. <laughs> I was going to make sure I did that. <laughs> I told my son, okay, I'll do that. Nobody else gets it. <laughs> he got it. Okay, grieving especially over the word which he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they were accompanying him to the ship. It shows here are some elders, grown men, mature people. And you had the Apostle Paul. And as they were giving their parting words, and after all the things that Paul has said already throughout this speech, um, and especially the part about not seeing him again, brought him to tears. Growing people. Uh, A relationship uh, between uh, Paul and those he spoke to. And in this case, the elders who were leading the flock there in Ephesus. Um, Very important word. But notice, what would you say if it was your last words to a group of people? Or what would you say if, you know, most people aren't preachers, what would you say as your last words to your loved ones? Now, we might think about that, and there would probably be different things we would say to different people. And that's true. But I believe that all the things that we would uh, say would have something to do with what Paul did in his uh, speech. In other words, you're going to give whatever you say. You might not say what Paul says here, but you're going to give attention to the things that last. And uh, The things that last very soon after the establishment of the church in Acts, the second chapter. We come to the fourth chapter, and Peter and John are arrested. The Sanhedrin then warned them, and Tell them, do not speak in the name of Jesus at all, ever again. And Peter and John replied back, and what they said in verse 20 was that we cannot stop speaking about Jesus uh, and what we have learned and what we have heard. Now, what they have learned, what did Peter and John learn? Well, they, they And what did they see? What they have seen and heard, they saw Jesus. They they were with Jesus as He was teaching. They saw Him hanging on the cross. They saw His mother at the foot of the cross. They they had the events of the empty tomb uh, and the resurrection of Jesus. They saw Jesus go up as He went back into heaven and gave Him the great gave uh, the apostle the great commission to go and. Uh, teach everybody everywhere baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit they they have seen it these are things that last jesus will never die again he will always be jesus he will be at the right hand of god until we're all taken up and it's all done and this earth passes away so he taught about things that last. I'm sure that if you had words to say to your loved ones, and that you would talk about things that are lasting, not temporary things on this earth and things that do not last. You'll probably talk about things that uh, um, uh, point to Jesus Christ. He, uh, all things are summed up in Christ. Uh, it would be pretty hard not to talk to a loved one, use your last words, and say something about Christ. And, of course, we would do this at any time we have opportunity, is to point people to Jesus Christ. And uh, Paul, of course, did this. He even prayed uh, for uh, help in presenting things in the right way. We look in Colossians chapter 4. And here um, in verse 3, he's talking about... uh, his request is that you pray at the same time for us as well, that God will open up a door for the word, that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I am imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Then he goes and gives instructions of how we ought to speak, how we ought to conduct ourselves. It was, this would be very good for them to know, well, what do we pray for about Paul? Well, pray that this prayer. Pray what he's going to instruct us in. And this is what we all are to do. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, that you will know how you should respond to each person. Well, what is Paul talking about? Speaking uh, uh, in, in, in this way. When you're talking about Jesus Christ, so everything is pointed to Christ, even the way that we speak to the people we're speaking to about Christ, is that we're going to conduct ourselves and with wisdom. Now, knowledge is one thing, but wisdom is the proper application of the knowledge that we learn. And so what do we need wisdom? Well, notice the last part, that you know how to respond to each person. You know what each person who is non, uh, not a Christian, what they will need. And most of the time, they all need the same thing. And uh, what did we need before we were Christians? What do we need to hear? Well, this is the kind of thing that you would talk about. This is what Paul did in his whole speech uh, as we go, uh, go through it. Is that he pointed people to Christ. He's going to remind them about the shortness of life or the brevity of life. Uh, Remember in Psalms chapter 90 and verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom, the proper application of knowledge. Uh, Remember the creator in the days of your youth as Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1 uh, tell. Before the evil days come and Uh, The days draw nigh when you say, I have no pleasure in them. In other words, people that go through their whole life and end up with their whole life not an inch closer to Jesus Christ than when they start, probably further away. And then here they are. What have I lived my life for? What was it all about? It's empty. It's vanity. It's just like uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes says. It's all vanity. If you take God out of the picture... What is it for? And so that's a very sad ending uh, to a life that should be something that you start early in life, the young in life. And by the way, I'd really like to thank the uh, the elders who are taking the leadership and uh, allowing young men and old men like myself uh, an opportunity to preach the the gospel. And we're so uh, uh, blessed in that. And uh, the young men that we have here uh, started early in life. And if we didn't start that early, we look at them and say, I wish I would have started at that age. In other words, that's the only regret that we have, When no matter when we become a Christian, is that we should have started earlier. I wish they would have known this earlier. Look at all the problems I would have saved and the heartaches. But we still have heartaches as a Christian, and as we go through this lesson, we'll see just that. But it's for a good reason. And uh, so, the brevity of life. Let's get into part of the speech. What did Paul do? He set an example. He had the right kind of heart. And here's what he said in verse uh, uh, 18 of uh, Acts chapter 20. Um, you yourselves know from the first day I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time. Now, Paul was with them the whole time. He is setting an example of, uh, of teaching of what he did when he was there. We're going to see more of that later. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. So he's an example for each one of us. Um, He's an example in in so many different ways. But it started out with the right kind of heart. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 1 says that the wicked uh, flee when no one's pursuing. you understand that? That people are hiding. When when nobody's even after them. Uh, They see somebody coming their way. They don't want to see them. They just run and hide. They go the other way. But what did the righteous do? They're as bald as a lion. This is the example Paul set forth. Remember in the last lesson I presented talked about I believe, therefore I spoke. Paul echoed the words that were presented in uh, Psalm 116 and verse 10. And uh, we don't know who... Uh, wrote uh, who wrote said those words in the beginning it's either david or it could be hezekiah uh there's arguments for both and doesn't matter the fact is that uh what he said was true and um and so paul felt the same way in their calamity and their uh heartache that i i spoke uh because i believed it and that's for if we have belief then we're going to speak it. We can't just be uh, uh, like the wicked and flee and hide in the corner. We must be bold as a lion. But how? Conducting yourselves uh, with words, wisdom, seasoned with salt. They may know how to respond to uh, each one. Um, In uh, uh, verse, uh, yeah, I've already read verse 6. So that is the right kind of heart he set an example. Not only example but he set an example in adversity. That uh, every Christian is going to experience adversity. Just like every non-Christian will experience adversity as well. And that sometimes in adversity we have added adversity. Something that people that in the world do not have. Paul's adversity is because he's proclaiming the gospel and he had opposition to it. And he Uh, it it shows uh, let's go ahead and read uh, this Uh, he set the example uh, serving the Lord with all humility with tears with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews now the first thing he's mentioning that here he was he was serving the Lord you might have somebody ask you, why, why are you a Christian? What do you do as a Christian? You might respond, well, I'm trying to serve the Lord. I'm serving the Lord. Well, if you can say I'm serving the Lord, then you can say with all humility. We should be able to say with all humility. Paul was able to say that. I have to think about that a little bit before I utter those words. But we should be able to say that. And so here, and we'll see how... How he learned humility, what he, what the value of humility. And uh, that is just basically submitting to the will of another. Um, And he did it with tears and trials and came upon them by the plots of the Jews. This is the first consideration in all relationships. If you want to have a good relationship with somebody, you have to have humility. If you do, who likes a uh, okay, uh, well I was a know-it-all man. Okay, everything you mention. Okay, I know that. I know that. I know that. Maybe we do, but <laughs> to, to to say it and, and proud of the round uh, like uh, like like that and uh, all that uh, kind of thing. And so here is humility. If you want to get along with people, if you want to have a relationship with people grow you have humility this is what paul had and notice the relationship he had he had people and elders that were crying when it was the last time they were going to see him and uh no you know that sometimes it is emotional the last time you're going to see somebody and but you remember them uh you like rod boston i mean a lot of people here miss miss him dearly man he was here for over 30 years all the good that he has done and yet he's gone. He won't be back. Maybe, maybe he'll be back for a meeting. But, uh, but we, you, the people that knew him, remember him and remember that closeness, that relationship. There had to be humility involved with all of that, and relationship on both sides of that—the uh, uh, the members and the uh, the preacher himself. And so that's the first consideration in all relationships. There are many unrecorded trials, he says trials, There's, while he was in Ephesus. We don't have all the things that happened uh, to him in Ephesus. He talked about how it affected him, the trials that he had. In adversity, we come to see who we really are. Now, this is where Paul, from humility and in and, and, uh, um, and, and adversity... Uh, we see who he really is. Notice in uh, Philippians chapter uh, 4. And uh, Paul is uh, uh, writing here. Philippians chapter uh, 4. And uh, let's uh, look in uh, verse 9. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul is just echoing, look, what you have seen me do, hear about me, uh, heard about me. These things you practice, you do. Well, what did he practice? But I rejoiced, in verse 10, in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Talking to the Philippians um, about they helped him with support when he needed it. Indeed, you were concerned before. That, so the time before that, they didn't have opportunity to help him, but now they do. Uh, and so, um, you're, you, but you lack the opportunity. Verse 11. Now, uh, not that I speak from want. For I have learned, learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. You know, you don't just uh, become content. You can't just force yourself to be content. You have to learn it. And how do you learn it? The way Paul did. He learned it by experience. You cannot learn it any other way. So God's going to allow each of us, no matter if we're Christians or non-Christian, to experience then these things in life because you learn to be content. In verse 12, I know how to get along with humble means and I also know how to live in prosperity. Is that very hard? Living in prosperity? Do we know how to do that? Well, we think we do. (laughs) Yeah, that's easier, isn't it? It's much easier to live in prosperity than in one, so we can't learn contentment by just being prosperous. Be, you know, you just can't. It, it, this won't happen because people that are prosperous are never content. They always want more, 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 more. And so that's the thing that we always have to uh, guard against as Christians: be content with what we have. But you learn it uh, in and uh, uh, verse twelve. I know how to get along with humble meads, and I was. And prosperity, in every circumstance, I have learned a secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. So it takes uh, adversity. And it takes, uh, in this uh, case, the, the physical uh, way. Uh, I mean, you don't learn it any better than that through that way. And he said, but I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now sometimes people, and I have even heard people say, well, I'm not able to do that. Okay, they have a mental illness. And, and they say, well, I'm, God said I can do all things, so I don't need anything. I can just do this. No, but they can't. And then they leave the Lord. Because look, the Lord said, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. But look at the context. He can do all things to help us be content in whatever state we're in he can do, we can do all things that are uh, recorded in the scripture we can do all things uh, that Paul uh, set the example of and Paul was just a man we put him on a pedestal well, I can't do that I mean there's some things that we might not be able to accomplish like Paul but we can do it to a degree that we can be following the example of Paul and that's uh, the key there Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my afflictions. And so the Philippians shared in with that. But there is no other way to serve God with all humility without learning contentment. So we need to learn to be content no matter what state we're in. And um, uh, before we read uh, 2 Corinthians uh Chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. I want to look at that and look at verse 3 through 7 of 1 Corinthians. And um, I, I debated whether I should even get into that, so I'm not going to make it long. I just want to uh, point it out a couple things that uh, that show very clearly uh, uh, in regards to adversity. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter... 1 and verse 3. Now remember, this is where Paul wrote the first letter. Uh, he's writing the second letter. And the first letter is very harsh. Uh, there were many things that they were doing wrong. They needed to do away with the uh, fornicating uh, person uh, that was uh, uh, leavening the whole lump. And they were kind of fine with it. And they needed to do away with it. They, they took care of that problem. They probably took care of many other problems. Uh, as we see and read further. But in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So these people repented. And Paul is writing happy. He's very happy. He's uh, writing a very uh, in- encouraging type letter. Uh, only toward the end, then he zeroes in on the false teachers that were still there at Corinth. And he says, uh, Of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comforts. God gives the comfort. We're going to go on to see whatever adversity that we have, God provides the comfort. So whatever level of adversity we have, God provides the comfort to deal with that adversity and to go through with that adversity. Notice verse 4. Who comforts us with all our affliction. Paul's affliction, of course, was persecution at that time. So that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction... "...with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God." Now, we, we could talk about any affliction, not just persecution, uh, any affliction. It could be health, it could be financial means, it could be all, all kinds of different things. But here, uh, Paul said, there's comfort for that, loneliness, there's comfort for that, um, in uh, verse 5, For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also the comfort is abundant through Christ. Well, whatever adversity, how much comfort are you are going to have? You're going to have more comfort than adversity. <laughs> You're going to have enough comfort to deal with the adversity, to overcome that adversity, as we said earlier. Verse 6, But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort uh, and f- salvation. Now, Paul was afflicting these people because they they had to repent. They were feeling pretty sorrowful. Paul was feeling pretty bad because he had to uh, say this. Some of them didn't react right, and so they brought affliction to Paul. But notice that there's those that repented uh, for your comfort, salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort. Paul's comforted when they repent. And then when they have the repent, they're comforted. So, Paul's comforted. These people are comforted. So, the word comfort is just thrown, Paul's just so happy, just thrown around. Comfort, comfort, comfort. And uh, over adversity. So, uh, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which also you suffer. Notice verse 7. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so you also are sharers of our comfort. So now then, these people are being comforted, and now they're comforting Paul, and they're and and Paul is uh, uh, giving them comfort as he endures this uh, all this adversity. So, in verse now, let's read verse eight and nine of 2 Corinthians one. For we do not want you to be unaware of our affliction which came to us in Asia. So if we're going to study about the example of Paul, Paul says, don't be unaware of this fact. Don't leave this part out of we're looking at to him or me, as he would say, uh, as an example. That we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we were despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. And uh, so Paul set the example the humble know one who is greater. God. He uh, he will not we will not trust in ourselves. Paul learned contentment. He's not going to trust in himself. He gets his comfort from God. That's the only source uh, is is from God, and God gives it to others as they comfort Paul as well, or each other. And um now, let's continue reading verse 10 and 11. It says that he delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us, he whom we have set our hope. And he will deliver us, you also, joining uh, in helping us through your prayers so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. So the humble know one who is greater. The humble ask for prayers. Prayers. The humble then relies on the prayers of the ones who are praying for him. He uh, is uh, very grateful for that. And so the humble know a God who is greater than any around whatever adversity. So Paul set an example in adversity, in adversity and the humble do not boast or claim a superiority. And Paul never did that. If, uh, he only boasted in the Lord. Whatever he accomplished, it was the Lord that accomplished it. It wasn't anything that he did. He didn't boast. Uh, let no one boast in men in First Corinthians 3.6. First Corinthians 9.16, if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for I'm under compulsion. There's nothing for us to boast of. God has done it all. All we are to do is accept it, be obedient to it, and accept his grace, a favor that we don't deserve. There's nothing we can boast about it. So we're under compulsion to do what he wants, but we do it willingly. So that's what Paul uh, said. There's nothing to boast about here. Now I want to read. There's other scriptures that we could talk about boasting, but I want to look in Second Corinthians, chapter ten, and in verse seventeen and eighteen, the last two verses. But he who boasts uh, is to boast in the Lord. Who gives confidence? The Lord. It's not self-confidence. It's confidence in the Lord. And so for, it in verse 18, For it is not he who commends himself, that is approved, but he whom the Lord commends. See, it's easy to commend ourselves. Oh, I'm just a great guy. Oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm doing this. But it's whom the Lord commends. So now then what we have to do is sit and ask ourselves, where should we be right now where are we right now where am i right now Uh, and then look in that relationship what does the lord think about that well the scriptures will tell us what the lord thinks about it that's the only way we know what the lord thinks about it we can't guess what's in the lord's mind that's why he revealed his word to us so that we would know and he kept it kept it so that we uh, it would never be destroyed and they will always be here for us to know what the Lord's will is. And um, um, But who the Lord commands. So what does He command? He commands what we do. He commands are we serving the Lord with all humility. That's what He's looking for. And then He says, is God glorified in whatever we do? Does this glorify God, what I'm doing right now? What I'm saying right now, does it glorify God? And that's the thing we must ask, and not uh, of ourselves. And then, um, of course, that's uh, whom the Lord commends is right with God. And um, I'm going to read 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. And uh, Paul wrote about arrogance and pride. Uh, It is a trustworthy statement, deserving full acceptance that... Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am the foremost of all. Yet for this reason, what reason? That he is the foremost of all. I found mercy so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now you can't boast about that you outsend Paul. (laughs) You know, Nobody wants to boast about what we've done bad, but there's people that do. I'm such a bad sinner that, you know, God will never forgive me. I've heard that. It's sad. I've heard that from older people, and you just tell them that you can be forgiven right now. It's that easy. It's that simple. That's why it's the good news. It's the greatest news. It's offered to all. There's no partiality with God. There's no, no lines. There's no... Uh, you can't go... So far that you 'll never be forgiven, you be forgiven, and so he is our example as a foremost. what did he do? He persecuted Christians, and he thought he was doing what was right. he had a clear conscience when he did that until the Lord appeared to him and say, "Why are you persecuting me?" and then he told him to go wait in the city for three days, and he did, and he was fasting for three days, and he was waiting for uh, someone to tell him what to do and Ananias told him what to do arise why are you waiting arise and be baptized washing away your sins that's when his fast ended he was really worried about what, what was the Lord going to do to him look what he did to Ananias to Sapphira he knew, he knew all about the history he was there at the feet of Stephen and gave consent to it when he was stoned to death in Acts chapter 7 and just two chapters later, here we are. Paul, the Lord, is appearing to him. Go wait in the city. I'll give you your punishment. I'll give you what you have coming there. That's what Paul would, he was. And so he was elated. He was elated when he was just told to be baptized. Be baptized and wash away your sins. In water, by the way. You don't have to be in scalding water. You don't have to be in thorns and... You don't have to be uh, jump in the pool with a bunch of alligators. And if you make it out, you're, you're going to be saved. <laughs> you no, know, you don't have to do that. Just water. Baptized. Just water. We'll talk some more about that. Notice in uh, Romans chapter 12, Paul did write about uh, pride and arrogance. Romans chapter 12. He's writing to Christians, of course. He says um, through in verse 3, Through the grace given to me, what was Paul? He was a qualified apostle. And the grace was given to him. We're not an apostle, but grace is given to us too. And and, and I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Huh. That means I'm to think lowly? No, it says, but uh, but to think so as to have sound judgment. As God allotted to each man a measure of faith. Okay, so I can't think more highly of myself, but He doesn't want us to think of ourselves as less highly. We want us to have good sound judgment. What are we? We're children of God. Well, you know, God wants to spend eternity with us. We're we are important. We make a difference to to Him. And yes, uh, and so we have good judgment. So we are to have confidence if we didn't have any confidence at all then we're thinking less highly what we ought to think of ourselves that we can't do anything so paul is very clearly laying out as he gave out uh, the gifts to them to use your gifts whether as he goes on in uh, verse uh, uh, six since we have gifts that differ Uh, That's when he's talking about the measure of faith. He's not talking about uh, the faith that we have to become a Christian. How do we get that faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So that's how we get the faith. We have the same faith. There's only one faith. We're all to have that. But here this word uh, is is a measure of faith. This is the works that are done by faith. And notice uh, in verse 5, in the context, for you just have many members in one body, and also the members do not have the same faith, no, function, same work. So you have different works, different abilities. Many are one in one body, individually members one another. And the gifts that differ according to the grace given to each one to exercise accordingly. And so if you're service, then uh, be serving. How do you serve? Serve with all humility as we... Uh, learn uh, other places. And um, exhorts, uh, one exhorts, let him who love, love without hypocrisy. We're all to do that. But, and let love without hypocrisy. And uh, notice verse 11. Serving the Lord. So if we um, are not thinking more highly of ourselves, we're thinking in good sound judgment, then we're going to say, God wants me to serve Him. So I can't be thinking less of myself than what God Thinks of what I am capable of. So he says, serving the Lord. And then verse 12, rejoicing in hope and tribulation. Do not curse. It takes humility. It takes humility not to uh, to do all these things and not to do all these things. Uh, And then verse 16, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind. If we're not humble, we're going to be haughty in mind. That's, remember what we said about uh, what is the building blocks of our relationships? Is, is uh, humility. Um, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Boy, that's a hard one. You have to be humble to let the, give place to the vengeance of God. Let Him take care of it. Might be the end of time, but that's what the Bible teaches us. Uh, and he says, uh, "If uh, verse nineteen, never take your own revenge." That's similar to what we already talked about. Verse twenty-one: Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now you got to be humble to to uh, to understand that to overcome evil by being good. I mean, the one way to fight evil is with evil. <laughs> That's kind of what. Uh, the fleshly mind thinks but no you overcome evil if you're ever going to get along with someone that's evil and change, and they're going to change it all you got it only one way by being good and so here is uh, humility Paul wrote about arrogance and not to be that way um, he, 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 uh, humility was something that was degrading back in Paul's day if you were a humble person, or meek person, you're a weak person. You you let people walk all over you. You you won't get anywhere in life if you are a humble person. And so that overflowed from then and all through time and down to our day and age. People you talk about humility and humble and talk about some of these terms what Jesus expects us to be. We read some of them in Romans 12. The you, you you know how do you, how can you do that? So uh, you gotta be able to be uh, be humble, and so humility is something that people have a hard time learning uh, in today's age. So as Christians, we have a responsibility. God has shown us how and what. He has given us to help. He's given us to comfort. He's given us everything that we need. All the instructions that we need. All the examples that we need. Everything is right here for uh, life and godliness. Uh, We can read 1 Peter uh, chapter uh, 1 or 3 verse 1 or 1 verse 3. Yeah, 1-3. But notice uh, as we see this word humility. What is it? It's being subject to one another in the fear of Christ. I subject myself to you, you subject yourself to me, we do it to all each other and, and when you subject yourself to me I always feel bad <laughs> you know, it's a, oh no, they can't do that but we have to learn to have, let people serve us as we serve them that is the key to the whole thing, it's a beautiful thing and it's a wonderful thing and it happens here a lot, that, I really uh, appreciate all all the all the help and all the thoughtfulness and all the uh, cares that, uh, that you give to one another. But you see it. And it's great to be part of it. And, uh Ephesians 6, 5 through 12, slaves, be obedient as to the Lord. Now they had slaves and masters and so forth. Uh, a lot of them were from war. A lot of them were inherited. A lot of them said, oh, look, I can't pay you back, so I'll give myself uh, to that. The Roman Empire had many, 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 millions and millions of slaves. And... And uh, and so forth, uh, we we have uh, you know different understanding, different meaning of slave uh, in our from our history, and and that is uh, but it's one practice of this kind, uh, we'd like to use this as a employer-employee relationship. So we have a master, we're an employee, and so uh, we would be obedient as to the Lord. So when I'm out there working on a box car and I'm supposed to take the pole and measure the width of the, 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 the sides of the walls of the car and big steel and take the sledgehammer and there's no, nothing on there. there there's just, you've got to walk on these little things. When I fall, I say, okay, that, that angel helped me on that one. But I, I you know, anyway, I would go and, and then I was this far off. Normally I would say, okay, that's good. Just move the car down the line. Let's get the next one. No, I'm serving the Lord. i got to get that just right. And you pound it and be, you know, you, you'd be amazed how much you can do when you put your mind to it. So you get that gap out of it. And, uh, and sometimes you can't get it out, but you go work on it until you can't work on it anymore, and you go tell somebody, and, and then they take, care, they take care of it. So uh, we, we, we learn to be obedient. If, if you go on the job, no matter how bad your boss is, uh, you you are serving the Lord, so now there was, we're always free. No one can enslave our mind. They can enslave our body, but they can't enslave our mind. They can't control our mind, what we think and what we do. Uh, masters will do the same things to them. That's a really good one to read. Um, all all the bosses out here. Uh, for all of us uh, that have been bosses. Um, in um, Ephesians chapter 6 in verse 9 and masters do the same things to them you treat your slaves the way you want to be treated okay so masters do the same thing give up threatening knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no partiality with him and so that pretty well puts the brakes on everybody Everybody, everybody's a Christian and so what are we doing? We're going to, you know, treat the our employee as the being the best boss we can to that employee, the brother in Christ, or even any employee, and vice versa. So the concept of humility is given a higher meaning when Jesus um, surrendered Himself, humbled Himself, and died upon the cross, and so He gave a higher meaning to. The word humility, as he did it for his enemies, for all of those who were, uh, you know, wanted to be his master. He was the master of all. But yet, he had no partiality, and he submitted and died on the cross for all. So building good character in relationships is is uh, involves humility um second paul set an example in teaching as well or uh love for god the truth and the soul second thessalonians uh, paul says receive the love of the truth paul loved the truth he taught the truth he he uh, was persecuted for the truth and he said receive that truth the truth will set you free and uh You'll be free indeed. You're the free to choose to do this or not do this. You're not going to be enslaved. You're not going to be enslaved to any addiction or nothing. Because now you're free. You can choose to say, I don't want that anymore. And that's, that's uh, how people get out of that, is understanding uh, that there is a God. In First uh, Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, but the goal of our instruction is, uh, you know, tell them I told you so. No, it didn't say that. It says, Is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. That is the goal of every preacher. The goal, it starts out with love. You have to have a pure heart, good conscience, and a sincere faith. And this is what you teach everyone else as you uh, present and lead people along with the scriptures. In Romans chapter 9 and verse... uh, one through three. Now Paul loves souls and he explains it here. I am telling you the truth, great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. And he's talking about his Jewish brethren. For I could uh, or I wish uh, some they have the word pray and that I myself were a curse so that you can be saved. Now Paul is not saying I, I, I'm gonna I wanted to pray that I'll be the one lost and so they can be saved. He just said, I wish I could pray. He knows he can't do that. Because all men, and he's going to say in chapter 12, of verse or 16 of verse 12, that we must all give an account of ourselves to God. fourteen twelve. And we cannot have trade places. Paul is just saying that if it were possible, I would do that. But it's not possible. Some people make it out to believe that he would exchange himself but no he's not saying that he's using this as emphasis how much he loved them i just wish i could just take your place we've probably said that to other people uh from time to time people that we really cared about and loved and wish we could just take their place for them but you know we can't um so paul said an example in teaching um he says in verse 20 how I shrank not from declaring to you anything that was profitable in teaching publicly and from house to house so all scriptures inspired of God 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 and 17 that uh, uh, inspired of God so whatever is profitable whatever is uh, 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 everything that's profitable and, and uh, anything that equips a person for every good work. I can't remember all, but every good work and uh, example in teaching. Now, uh, if teaching public at house to house, Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2 says, Preach the word in season and out of season. Uh, uh, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. So, Paul is showing, this is what he did and the word shrink means to withdraw to cower, to conceal, to hide, to head for cover, uh, that kind of thing. So it's not just house calls. It's social calls. Uh, people uh, may teach the word. You go see somebody teach the word or have them teach you the word. But have something to do. Not just house calls. It is, a, it is the work of a preacher. Not much influencing the lost or one another without opening up our lives to one another. And so there's going to be some teaching uh, to one another as we open up our lives to each other and, uh, and be influencing the lost as well as we uh, go into their homes and teach them the truth, as Paul did here. Um, Paul said the example, of course, uh, um, in uh, chapter 10, verse 38 and 39, uh, the writer Hebrews says this, But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. And so, we're not going to withdraw, Tower. We're going to speak, as Paul said, I believe, therefore I spoke. Um, verse 21, uh, we see the foundation of faith and repentance. Uh, me testifying to both Jews and Greeks, uh, repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul emphasized in his life God's truth by example. That's what we are to do if we were going to say our last words to somebody, we were, have have it, uh, had an example before them. Uh, speak of God's blessing in our lives, what God has done for us. We've, we became a Christian and look how things have changed, how things became so much better. Uh, you know, marriages are better. Everything is better when you become a Christian. Speak of God's blessings in our lives. Personal application is we're all going to receive what's needed when we're being taught, when we learn. Uh, learn from Paul testifying to both Jews and Greeks and repentance toward God. And then he knew he would be greeted with bonds and afflictions. And uh, verse 22 and 23, And now behold, Bound in spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. Paul was wondering whether he should go to Jerusalem. They were delivering the money for uh, needy saints. They were collecting the money from Gentile churches, and they were delivering it to the Jewish brethren in in Jerusalem. And he was afraid they wouldn't accept the money if he didn't go. So he did decide to go. Now see, he could have got out of it. Because what was awaiting him? Bonds and afflictions. But he went knowing that he was running right into the storm. He was going, why, why would a, a person do such a thing as that? Why? Because he knew there would be a finish line. He knew that this life wouldn't go on forever, the brevity of life. He prepared every day for it, and there was the finish line. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish the course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Those are very encouraging words. You know, it, it's, it makes a big difference if you know the finish line. Uh, you know, uh, okay, how long is this class going to last? Oh, okay, now I know when the finish is, <laughs> see? Uh, it's good to know the finish line that helps us prepare to the longevity, but I always think about this time uh, running cross-country in high school and uh, Make a long story short. I would get down to the end and I would save my energy going up and down the hills I didn't want to run out and get, get uh, you know all stiffened up and uh, uh, So I would I would see the big the goal line there was the there was the finish line And I saw all these runners. But I could see the finish. Hey, I've got enough energy. So i go and pass up several of these people on the way. And if I said, man, I should have used that energy way back there. I might be a little further ahead. Because it's knowing the finish line. And Paul knew the finish line. uh, Which are very encouraging words. So here we go. As we sum up very quickly Paul's farewell speech to Ephesus in these verses. Verse 17 through 21. Uh, we see the the example of evangelism. In evangelism and adversity, he consistently lived each day for the Lord. He shared all possible truth with all possible people in all possible ways. I believed, therefore I spoke. is the idea. And so Paul did all that, regardless of what the cost was, what he was walking into, bonds or afflictions or whatever. He did it because he had serving the Lord with all humility. And then he had confidence and purpose in life. He knew he would be persecuted. Just like Jesus knew he was going to be persecuted. Notice in Hebrews chapter 12. Chapter 12 and verse 1. We're all familiar with this, most of us. And therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses. He talked about all the Hebrews of faith in chapter 11. And then we have those as a cloud of witnesses. They were successful. They died in faith. Uh, They lived in faith. Okay. Now surrounding us, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. And despising the shame, he sat down at the right hand of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We have Jesus as our example. He saw the finish line. He saw the finish line from the beginning. And he worked toward that finish line all the way through to the end. And so we see the finish line. We know the finish line. So whatever, whenever this life ends for us, we've crossed the finish line. And... Uh, uh, there is a finish line. And, of course, Paul said again in Second Timothy 2 that there is, uh, uh, he prayed that he would finish the race, finish the course. There was laid up a crown of rights, not only to me, but all of those who love his appearing. But where is the starting line? Let's go to Galatians chapter 6. Here's where it starts, as Paul tells us, the starting line. Galatians chapter 6 and verse... Fourteen. It says, "But never, but may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which we would be crucified, uh, that the world which the world been crucified to me, and I to the world." There's the starting line. We have to be crucified with Christ. Well, how do we do that? How do we get crucified with Christ? Well, let's go to Romans chapter six. Romans chapter 6, and beginning verse 3. Or do you not know that many of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we too would no longer be slaves of sin. Verse 7, For he who has died is freed from sin. Did you get that? We were crucified with Christ just like Paul was. How was he crucified with Christ? He was being died, buried, and resurrected through the waters of baptism. That's what we are to do. And our old self is crucified. That's what we know. And that we're freed from sin. We have a new master. So there is the the uh, starting line. We've got to be baptized into Christ. Now we start our life in Christ. Second Timothy chapter 2, that if anyone competes for... Uh, the the prize you must walk. uh must, I'm going to read? It. I had that memorized. I thought I'd be able to do it, but I can't. And uh, uh, Second Timothy chapter two and verse uh, five. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules got to be on the right track you can't run a race and uh say okay here's the track i'm going to go run the race over here a half mile down the road and i'm going to run around that park." yeah well i came faster time than any of these people over here no but you weren't in the right park you weren't in the right place you weren't competing against the rules you can't take shortcuts of the rules you can't cut the flags you can't leave out part of of the race and and uh, you can't get a ride part way you have to go according to the rules And the rules are you must be baptized into Christ, crucified with Christ. In uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it says that there were 3,000 that were added to the church daily that were being saved. Verse 47, uh, they were added daily to the church. uh, And uh, uh, and that's what they were added to, the church. And then 514, there were came to be baptized 5,000 men. So it was growing in chapter 6 and verse 7 and it grew greatly and many of the priests were being baptized in uh, chapter 6 and verse 7. Then in, in Revelation, so there's people that have started the race. They're running the race. They're in the race. How long do we remain faithful in the race? We are to be faithful unto death. And Jesus said, I will give you, crown of life that's in revelation chapter 2 and verse 10 and so those who have started in the finish line we're in the race and we falter from time to time maybe it's humility maybe it's something else maybe it's something else that we mentioned so we always leave an invitation whenever the word is preached for anybody to respond to the lesson in any way and if you have not been baptized into Christ, you haven't started the race yet. It starts the race. The Christian walk begins when you're baptized into Christ. Newness of life. You're a new creation. And now you've given yourself to God. Now you follow in His lead and join with the body of believers that practice and still sinners, but now we have the forgiveness of the blood as we sin. Please respond to the invitation as we stand and sing the song of